Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bare Roots Podcast. Today, we are kicking off Shannon's favorite time of the year, and it's officially spooky season. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're so excited, Shannon. You know, for viewers, not viewers, but listeners for a long time. No, this is probably my least favorite time of the year. And somehow, man, it just sneaks up on me. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, it's spooky season again. Exactly. So today's episode is a fun one because we were inspired by recent events in history and that being uh, Queen Elizabeth II passing away. So sad, but the woman was 96, you know, that's a pretty long time to live. Mm-hmm. And she reigned for seven years. What an accomplishment. So that got us thinking, maybe there's some spooky things happening in the, the realm of the royal lives. Mm-hmm. And we found out, yes, there are some spooky things. And we're going to talk about it today. We sure are. Yeah. You know, when you Google spooky royal stories, there's just like a lot of ghosts. There's a ton Mm -hmm. of ghosts. There's so many properties, so many castles. And I would go out on a limb and say every castle is haunted. I'm going to say that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right now. Because a lot of stuff goes down in a castle from any era. And a lot of souls have had spent a lot of time in those buildings. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly from the research, it certainly seems that way in England. Definitely. And now when I think about it, you think about the the tower. Um, oh yeah, that I mean, there was literally a room for a torture chamber. Then you got the lost princes. Yeah, you know. So there's got to be some things. Right. Anywhere that somebody's been executed, like okay, anybody, anywhere that somebody's been died in childbirth. Yeah, it's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 So today we're going to jump into it. I hope this is, I hope you are all excited for spooky season. The air is crisp. The leaves, if you're in a location where leaves change, the leaves are mm-hmm. changing and it's the best weather for food and outfits is where That's I go right. <laughs> I'm so excited to be rocking my boots. Like I have been counting down the days for me to start wearing my boots. Sandals over. We're here now. Gotta go. I can't keep up with these painted toes. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Okay. So let's just jump into it. Because there are so many ghosts and so many castles and so many spookiness, it became very evident in the research that one of the biggest culprits for the ghosts was actually Henry VIII. So we are going to jump into his wives. Henry VIII was notorious. You probably, you know him. He was notorious for having six wives. A few of them he had executed. A couple of them died in childbirth. And yeah, a lot of them kind of stuck around their familial homes or the places they died. Yep. Like, I think there's a saying for it. It's divorced, executed, or no, divorced, dead, and died. And then he divorced, dead, and died. <laughs> divorced, like, dead, and died? Yeah, so like divorced was his first wife. He obviously divorced her. The second one, he dead, it was, he killed her. 
second the third one like naturally died yeah and then that pattern just happened to happen for the same thing for the last three there's also a lot of repeating names like there are a few Catherines in here it gets Mm -hmm. very um oh and Anne's I think there's a couple Anne's yep yep he does have a pattern and the main pattern is that he goes for the ladies in waiting like Mm -hmm. if he was a 1950s businessman he would be going after every freaking secretary that he ever had. He would be Don Draper, marry the secretary, <laughs> get rid of her, go with the younger one. Yep. Get rid of her. There's always a secretary that's hotter and younger. The hot new thing. <laughs> <laughs> like this man literally broke up his religion for these women. <laughs> Cost a bigster. Literally. So he ruled from 1509 until his death in 1547 at the age of 55. His first wife was Catherine of Aragon. And she, it's kind of interesting. She was actually the widow of his older brother who died at 15 from quote unquote sweating sickness. So he was 10 years old when his brother died. And he kind of had the royal life thrust upon him, you know, like he was a second son kind of situation. He was not going to get the kingdom, but yep. his 15 year old brother died. He's now up for it. And his father arranged that he should marry Catherine because they, you know, she was also young. Yep. They only had a few, a little bit of time together, her and her, his brother. Yeah. And Henry literally used the fact that she married technically his older brother against her. And that's how this whole divorce thing even happened. All right. So he was saying, well, we've already done it before. Yeah. Well, he basically said, he's like, oh, she wasn't an honest woman when I had her. Like she consummated the marriage with my brother and that we never hooked up at all. So since she was with my brother, this marriage is tainted already. And somehow that was, I don't know, man, he was a good lawyer, apparently. (laughs) I mean, he could do whatever he wanted. So yeah, and he did. And he did. When he became king, he was 17 and he married the 23-year-old Catherine. Catherine had a stillborn and then a boy that lived for seven weeks that they had a jousting tournament for. And I don't know if anybody's watching the House of the Dragon show, but this is giving me strong hot D vibes. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, it only, the baby only lived for seven weeks and then she just continued to have stillborns. So we have a jousting tournament. They're just taking it straight out of England's past. Yep. And of course, this whole time he's having affairs with Catherine's ladies in waiting. And he's really frustrated that he hasn't gotten an heir, kind of like, again, in hot D. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then, like Alina said, he caused a whole scene trying to divorce her because it was against the religion and he changed the whole religion of the country to accommodate, <laughs> <laughs> to accommodate his desire to divorce her. He wasn't into, you know, executing his wives at this point yet. So he had to go around the legal route this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Catherine was divorced. And she ended up living for a couple decades after that. She died at the age of 50. And he did a whole bunch of stuff. Like he shunned her and she did have one daughter with him and she couldn't have communication with her. Not a good guy. So her ghost 
is thought to be seen at the Welsh castle she first lived in with her first husband, so his brother, because a teenage ghost in Tudor clothes roamed the attic and nursery. And it's just so crazy that she was legitimately a teenager. And then they're seeing a teenager ghost. And then there's also a legend that Catherine's ghost walks the halls of Kimbolton Castle. And this is where she died. And actually on one floor, she appears as legs and lower body projecting from the ceiling. And on the next floor up, her head and her shoulders have been seen gliding along the floor. And this is, you know, she's seemingly unaware of the alterations that they've made to the floor levels in years that come after. (laughs) so funny (laughs) and I went on a ghost tour recently I should have looked this up but there are differences between like ghosts and basically stuck memories so if Uh the same thing is going again and again then that's not really a ghost that's more of like a energy imprint Mm -hmm. in the place so maybe that's what that is interesting Next, we're on to Anne Boleyn. We all heard of her. We all know her. It's a famous name. She had an affair with the king while he was married to Catherine. But he had affairs with, like, he had an affair with her sister, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So some say, like, she was reluctant to the affair and they didn't consummate it until they were actually married. Who really knows? Mm Mm-hmm. Henry was 41 and she was either 31 or 35. We don't have her exact, or no, 31 or 25. We don't have her exact birth date. And she gave him a daughter as well and had multiple miscarriages. The famous she daughter. The famous daughter. Queen Elizabeth the first. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Anne was known as being opinionated And of course that got on everyone's nerves. So she was kind of like sticking her head into politics and people were not liking it. Mm -hmm. So she was accused of adultery, which is really funny because he was literally having affairs with everybody. But if she did it, she needs to be executed. Yeah. And her brother was also executed alongside her because not only was she in uh, charge with adultery, it was incest between her and her brother, according to the king and his chief advisor. And it's pretty well known that they just made up this plot just to get her killed and mm-hmm. to get him killed. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we're getting very Targaryen vibes, you know, Lannister yes. incest. Yes, yes. Incest Lots is of- not best. Huh? I said incest is not best. that's right (laughs) you heard it here folks (laughs) we are on the case (laughs) so Anne's ghost is seen at many locations including the Tower of London where she was beheaded however the more intriguing one is the sighting at her familial home Bickling Hall where every anniversary of her execution, Anne Boleyn's ghost rides up to the house in a coach drawn by headless horsemen. I like the pizzazz. Yep. Points for creativity in the afterlife. But not only that, her head is in her lap. Whoa. And the moment the coach arrives in front of the house, it vanishes in thin air. 
And this is a good time to plug our episode of the Headless Horseman. You guys can go and listen <laughs> that. <laughs> Anne is our female headless horseman. Yes. We love that. It's also said that when the news of her death reached Bickling Hall back in 1536, four headless horses were seen dragging the body of a headless man across Norfolk, which is interesting. Interesting. Very, very interesting. But it's also said that her father haunts the grounds here because he's frantically trying to prevent two of his children from being executed by the king. Whoa. That's really sad. That is really sad. I also just feel bad because like, I think he had three, I think it was just the three kids. I could be wrong, but I think he had the three kids. So two of them gets executed by Henry VIII. And I'm guessing their name was kind of tarnished because like they were executed for incest. Oh yeah. Yeah. The sister was also in a relationship with the king. So the king really like messed up this guy's family. (laughs) Literally. Yep. He really stirred the pot there. Yep, yep, yep. Next is Jane Seymour. And she and Henry VIII actually married the day after Anne Boleyn's execution, which is just a real ouch. Like, I'm just like, that's just rude, you know? He's yeah. already having an affair with her while the whole business with Anne was going on. Yep. Um, because again, she's a lady in waiting. You know, she's the next secretary in line. hotter younger there but jane gets the coveted title of favorite wife and that's solely because she did produce an heir for him Mm -hmm. unfortunately 12 days later she died of complications from that birth i mean yeah again hot d although this heir will survive yep and he's edward right edward the first second something like that something like that (laughs) So Jane's ghost is said to return to Hampton Court where she passed away. And for centuries, many people, visitors and residents have seen a pale woman on the silver stick stairs at the palace, which lead to the room where Jane gave birth to her son and where she died. The ghost is often seen on the anniversary of her son's birth. Ooh, interesting. We have a lot of like timing stuff, you know? Yeah. And lastly, we have Catherine Howard because, oh, Henry strikes again with another lady in waiting. This time he did wait. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He did wait a little bit. I think he was in mourning for like a couple of years because he actually loved Jane. But again, I think it was just because (laughs) that's so (laughs) sweet. Just because she gave him there. And he's real lucky that that baby didn't die. I'm just gonna. Yeah. But this was, so we haven't really gotten into messy age territory yet. Like it's been all kind of kosher, all kind of good. But this Mm -hmm. is where we step off that bridge Mm -hmm. and we're into, he's 49 and she's a teenager. And again, we don't have a correct, like we don't have an accurate date of birth for her, Mm -hmm. but she can be anywhere between like 14 and 19. It's kind of the deal. So she marries him. I think, you know, old, he's fat now because of the mourning from Jane. He's not what a 14 year old girl was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she may or may not have had an affair with a younger male courtier, which ultimately led to her demise, which again, like 
there's probably a ton of a lot like more attractive guys than your husband at this point yeah. and she was forced into it you know yeah, yeah. you can't blame Again, a girl kinda for like kind of like the house of dragon allison i don't know if he had yeah. sores all over him but he wasn't great <laughs> yeah at least he seems a little nicer the king versus uh Oh, yeah. Henry. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And at that point, when you're a 14-year-old and you know the person you're going to be with has killed his exes, you know, that's kind of scary. That is very scary. He has a reputation. <laughs> I was looking on one of the websites said that, like, every queen had their own little motto. And most of them were like, to obey is to be obedient. You know, it's like some sort <laughs> yeah. of. <laughs> like, yeah. By his word only and just very very obedient uh sayings and i can see why because you don't you really don't want to get beheaded nope however she was beheaded and it does seem like this kind of did happen unlike the anna Boleyn like plot it does mm-hmm. seem like this girl actually did have like you know there were love letters yeah. and stuff but again yeah. we don't blame her right and her ghost has been seen or has been said to repeat the moment when she was told she was to be executed. And that's when she was like running, she broke free from the people who held her and she ran down the corridor begging for mercy from the king. Mm -hmm. And apparently Mm -hmm. he never heard her because he was in chapel. But even if he heard her, who knows if he would have had like reconsidered anything. Probably not. And yeah, I mean, we're still missing what, two wives? But there didn't seem to be much on them. So maybe they are at peace with how their lives ended. But these four, you know, four out of six still haunt you or it's not a good look for King Henry. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Alrighty, we have another story for you guys. But before we do, we'll have to first listen to a word from our sponsors. Alrighty, and we're back. So the story we're going to tell, well, I guess I'm going to tell, is the story <laughs> of Peter the Wild Boy. Now, I didn't know about this guy, but Shannon brought him up to me and we did some research on it. And it's interesting and sad at the same time. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily classify him as spooky, but I will say he came up in the research on ghosts. And mm. then they just casually dropped like, and then there's Peter the Wild Boy. Like, what? what? And he has his own like, gravestone and everything at one of the castles yeah so that went down a little wormhole and that's why we're adding him in here so let's talk about peter no one really actually knows if his name was peter Uh, he couldn't really talk and he didn't walk instead he would prefer to walk on all fours so picture just like a dog or an animal that's how he would walk and he got around by just picking the pockets of people and stealing kisses from others but yeah like honestly how he made it through life is just a question mark by many so Mm -hmm. again he was found living alone and naked in a german forest in 1725 and people presumably assumed that he was abandoned by his parents who struggled to raise him 
So I don't know if it's a situation where his parents were just like bad and just genuinely didn't raise him or did he already have some medical issues and then they gave up on him. Mm -hmm. Not quite sure, but definitely abandoned. And then the following year, so after he was found about a year later, so he's about 12 people think. He was brought in to the city of London by George I, where he became, quote unquote, a human pet at Kensington Palace, which is just like really sad to think about. That's like a big yikes. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the term human pet before. And that's a big. uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very circus vibes. Yes, 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 yes. And they know we know that they did crazy stuff in circuses. Yeah, yeah. And so there was obviously a lot of speculation. Who raised him? Was he raised by wolves or perhaps bears? His mannerisms just were not the same as a normal kid his age. And he would often eat with his hands. He hated wearing clothes and just had a hard time just learning how to speak. And there's a quote that says, at the time, people assumed Peter acted the way he did because he was a wild child. They didn't suspect that something else could have been impacting him. So if you go back in time, what's interesting when I was looking up this story is that in the 1700s, like in the early days, there was a lot of talk of just, I don't know, the question of nature versus nurture. And so Peter's presence was brought up all the time with questions about him and people were very analytical about it. And just kind of wondering, like, where's the line between like humans and wild animals? And is it really our genetics or our environment and upbringing that determines our behavior? Mm. And they would use him kind of as an example of just, hmm, you know. So upon arriving in England, Peter became the ward of princess, later queen, Caroline, who saw it that he got an education. But despite all efforts, Peter never really learned how to speak, as we said earlier, and he was really only able to repeat a few words, although he did seem to understand what was being said to him. Of course, at times he um, would wander off and get into trouble. I just think at that point, it's like, he's not really a troublemaker in my mind, but more of a, you know, like this is just like him just naturally just like being curious and wandering around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was one summer in 1751 when he did go missing and there were advertisements placed in newspapers like offering a reward for his safe return. And then when he was found and returned home a few weeks later, his caretaker like fitted Peter with a special leather collar that has name and address. I'm like, oh my God, that's kind of sad. Yeah. I, I Did you see the photo of the collar? Yeah. 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 Like, I get the practicality of it, but it's just hard because, you know, yeah, it makes you feel like it's a collar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, we couldn't make this into a bracelet. Right. They did say some sweet words on it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, bring him back to here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it wasn't so dark, I guess, but I think we yeah. could have used another accessory. Right. 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 <laughs> even though he kind of had this reputation of like oh he like wanders and that causes his trouble and obviously he can't speak people did say that he was a very like energetic child who loved music and who could easily learn and hum the melody to a song after only hearing it once so he had his own special talents and we love that yeah that's really cool 
So I guess at one time the king invited him to dinner and he was just absolutely horrified by his lack of table manners. And so each day the courtiers would wrestle him into a green velvet suit and each evening would try to persuade him into bed. And Peter just preferred to curl up on the floor in the corner of his room, which is like, oh my gosh. Eventually, you know, the whole novelty of him as this human pet weared off and the court paid him for him to retire to some of a farm so many people like him in that time would have been freaks in the circus but he did end up in good hands and the he the farm that he did go to the farmers were really fond of him and so i guess in theory he went to a good place <laughs> according yeah, always... to what's been said Right. It sounds bad when you say, you know, went to the farm because of that doesn't yeah. sound good. But yeah, supposedly it was a good place. Exactly. So she took Peter to the farm where she would spend um, her summers with Mr. Fenn. And it was just like a lush burrow that he lived in. And then for a number of years, Mr. Fenn cared for Peter for a pension of 30 pounds per year. And then when he passed away, his brother, Thomas Fenn, took Peter in to live at his farmhouse called Broadway. And so he, Peter lived there in a relatively, you know, joyful place with several other people there. And they say that it was really in his adult life where Peter seemed to improve the most in his developments, which makes sense, you know, just needs a little time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So sometime during the late, his later years, Peter began instruction with a man named Mr. Braidwood. And Mr. Braidwood actually taught students with disabilities such as deafness. So he's kind of familiar in working with him. And he taught him a number of words to allow him to answer for simple questions. He knew his name. And if someone had asked him who his father was, he would answer King George, which is cute. (laughs) And then like another word was bow wow, which meant dog. And he knew how to count to a low number. So, you know, he was improving. Peter basically spent the last 15 years or so of his life with one last caregiver named Farmer Brill, um, who I guess Peter grew very attached to. And again, just living on the farm. So that was Peter's life. And it's just like crazy to think that he just went from living into the woods to the king's and queen's uh, human pet. Yeah, that is like a big twist of events. Yeah. What would have happened? How long would he have survived out there on his own? Exactly. Yep. And people have analyzed this story and him and have looked at portraits of Peter. And I just thought it was interesting. So they, people think that he was, or he had a rare genetic condition known as the Pitt Hopkins syndrome. And it's typically indicated by a short stature, a lustrous mop of thick curly hair, hooded eyelids, a cupid's bow mouth with like a really pronounced curve on the upper lip. And so these things all add up. So people think that he had this, which I just, you know, it's not even using technology, but just interesting. They would have analyzed him using a portrait. Yeah, because there's a, the mural of him, which is, I think that's what sparked a lot of interest in him in later years. Was like, how is this? person so important that he was painted into the scene yeah yeah exactly so yeah quite interesting but that is the story of peter the wild boy yeah and you can actually go see his grave over there in england you can yep 
because the first article that brought me to him said that alluded to the fact that his ghost was around i tried to find any indication of that and i could not other than that one article so Mm -hmm. tbd he might just be peaceful hopefully that's right yeah hopefully well we hope you guys enjoyed our first episode of spooky season so stay tuned you guys know we have a lot cooking up for upcoming episodes but until then be sure to follow us on instagram at bare roots pod spelled b-a-r-e and uh give us a five-star review if you're loving it on whatever listening platform you listen to we are there apple spotify whatever and we'll talk to you guys next time bye bye